Welcome to the MomQ Podcast, where we provide you with the godly intelligence and biblical resources to find peace, hope, and joy on your motherhood journey. I'm Candace Nasser, the founder of MomQ, a community of moms building healthy families. I hope you will be inspired and encouraged as we talk to moms of all ages about how God is using their unique gifts and calling to build His kingdom. So I am so glad to be with you guys this morning, and I, a, a great way to start would probably be to just settle in and to pray it up. Would you like to do that? So um, our topic today, I, I called it unstuck. So I'm going to ask you to explore some areas of yourself as much as you're comfortable with today, so, and with God's help, not just by yourself. And also, we're here too. So we're going to do it together, okay? So let me pray for us. God, we just thank you that you are so powerful and that your love is unfailing and never-ending, God. And God, as we communicate and talk together about what might be stirring in our hearts from past or present, that you would just affirm and confirm where we're supposed to go, God, that you would give us your comfort, that you would give us your wisdom, God, and that you would give us your courage to step into these, pa- these places that are sometimes difficult for us to do because we're human. And so I just pray that you would bless this time in Christ's name. Amen. So some of us got to talk in on my clicker. Your clicker. Yay. Push down, not up, which is very counterintuitive for me. I, we got to talk in last time about um, me personally, and um, some of you guys asked for me to share this at the end last time. So um, I want to show you a picture. This is my little family. Um, this is my daughter, Gwen. She's six, and we just celebrated my, my son, Grayson. He's three years old. He's battled leukemia since as long as this uh, mom cute has existed, actually. July of 2021, and he's had chemo and all sorts of stuff, and he has conquered and beaten leukemia, and we praise that in the name of Jesus on Saturday. So he is cancer-free and uh, now chemo-free, and he's very excited. Uh, He didn't remember this. When he got his pour out, he told his doctor, he's like, "Uh, I want to get my, I want to see it. And he's like, okay. And he's like, I want to see it. I'm going to put it under my bed, and the fairy, tooth fairy going to give me a medal. <laughs> and we were like, what a bizarre request. And so, of course, being the moms that we are, I got that medal. <laughs> Actually, the uncle sent it that day. Uh, and so we had the whole plan. We had the whole plan. We put it, and we made it, and he got it. And he goes, Mama, why I get this medal? It was a week later. It was not like a month later. It was a week later. And I was like, Bubba, because you beat cancer. And he goes, I did not know I did that. (laughs) He is so precious. Um, So anyway, just want to, we call it Haya leukemia. So we kicked it to the curb and we're very, very grateful for God's uh, mercy and that and his presence. But that's a bit about me. Um, that some of you asked to to know about because you knew me personally. Okay, so today we're going to talk about really easy topics. Okay, so easy, we're just going to walk right out of here all done about it. Uh, It's going to be on unforgiveness and shame. 
Yeah, y'all, that was a hard one. Uh, Candace did a beautiful job, I listened to it last week, explaining what forgiveness is and why it's important and the biblical basis for that. So you guys got some incredible equipping on that today. Um, and so I'm going to kind of start, I think, at a very interesting point in the conversation. Um, and I'm going to start about why unforgiveness is there. What's the point? And I think that might help us because the last thing, the first thing we want to do when we see something like a biblical truth and a great calling like Candace called us to, I think one of the first things we want to do is to do it. So just like, like just get to forgiveness, just push past it, just get to forgiveness. But we may have a process that we need to do to get to that space. And that's when I'm going to help us see what unforgiveness is really communicating. Uh, last time we talked about the conflict resolution. Um, and we, we talked about conflict resolution, not the conflict resolution. Uh, we talked about that, and I explained a bit of pieces of the brain. We did this with our hands. We all became neuroscientists, remember? So this part of your brain is your prefrontal cortex, does all your good decision-making skills. It's actually split between your right and your left hemisphere, and your left brain does all your logical decoding things, and your right brain does all your facial cues and your nonverbal skills, um, and also your feelings decoder. So both of those are in the front, like your good thinking part of your brain, and in the back part of your brain is your fight-flight response center. And we talked about when this is online, this part of your brain is completely offline. So when it comes to pain, which part of your brain do you think is activated? This one or this one? The back, okay? And it's communicating a message. It's like the dashboard of your car. When you're seeing a check engine light, it's telling you something. It's communicating something to you that you need to pay attention to, my friend. God's working on something, and he's using it as a communication tool. And that communication tool is a, it's a vast array of things that you might need to be thinking about or looking at or processing. It's not just one thing. It could be multiple gauges. I've had many gauges go off at the same time. That was overwhelming. <laughs> I was like, please, just one light at a time. Like, but it's a communication tool, and it's discovering the why or what has just happened. You're kind of just processing, if you will. And it's trying to make meaning out of something. So when you find yourself stuck in unforgiveness, instead of using a shame response, which would be just stop it, just don't do that, Jesus doesn't like that. Whatever spiritual conversation you're logistically trying to do to hit that feeling down, my encouragement would be, let's look at why it's there. Let's search me, O oh God, and know my heart. And if there's an anxious way in me, lead me to the way everlasting, just like David did. So there's a function for unforgiveness. But it's not very helpful Unforgiveness is not very helpful. So personally, I'm going to talk about two different ways it's not helpful. For me as, as me, and then for me with my relationships, it's also not healthy or helpful uh, to stay stuck in. So 
we get personally stuck when we get trapped in unforgiveness. Um, and the, one of the greatest verses I found about this was 1 John 2:11. It says, but anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. I don't know if this is a poignant picture for you, but when I have found myself stuck in unforgiveness. It's like a rev is in the background of my mind and I can't seem to find my way out. I feel really stuck in that darkness and I feel really confused, like what am I supposed to do with that? Where am I supposed to go? And I think that's a great depiction of how we can find ourselves stuck in that place of unforgiveness. From a neurological perspective, it also impacts your actual physical body. And this is from Johns Hopkins. I put all the quotes down because I thought they were really good and you might want to take them away with you. Um, but from Johns Hopkins, the, the, the article was called Forgiveness, Your Health Depends on It. I'm going to pay attention to that. And it says, chronic anger puts you in a fight-flight mode. Fight-flight is making, or unforgiveness is chronic anger revving in the background of your system, which results in numerous changes in heart rate, blood pressure, and immune responses. Those changes then can inc or increase the risk of depression, heart disease, and diabetes, among other conditions. That's not good, right? Not good. Forgiveness, however, calms stress levels leading to improved health. So when this part of our brain is activated, whether it be in a seemingly background effect or like you're really aware of it going on, it produces a chemical called cortisol. And over time, cortisol is really great because it activates you really quickly to move and to fight and to flight and to do the things you need to do in the moment. But over time, when, when used a lot, it's like eating a bunch of like only candy all day long. Like you only ate candy and you're gonna get rotten teeth and your body's not gonna get the nutrients it needs, it shuts it down. That's what cortisol does. It makes all your cells in your body close off and not be open, which they need to be open to receive nutrients and to grow. So your body stays trapped in a stuck place physiologically when this cortisol is rubbing. So God's design, when he's calling us to everything that Candace was talking about, to forgiveness, he's not just doing that because like that's the way it should be. It helps you be actually healthy as an individual to thrive in forgiveness. It actually benefits you. Um, high calling, hard to do. Everything we're gonna talk about today might sound simple, but it's not easy to do, okay? So that's one part of it. The second part is our relational challenges. This one is probably not very hard for us to think about how this gets in the way relationally for us, um, but we get stuck in our relationship. It's like that event or that forgiveness issue, whatever that is, or a multitude of challenges that now make it really difficult to tease our way through make relationships feel stuck, like there's no life coming to them. There's just constant challenge or conflict or adversity that's being faced in those relationships, and they're not what we want them to be, and that's really difficult. Um, and unforgiveness on both sides of the equation is one of those things that keeps us stuck. 
The other part about this with unforgiveness is that we get stuck in a pattern of blaming the other person. And like we're protecting ourselves, we're closing off internally, but we're also closing off relationally to other people. And we're taking a blame stance. And this book called Nonviolent Communication, super, super good book, has this really great quote there too. Our attention is focusing on classifying, analyzing, and determining levels of wrongness rather than rather on what we and others need and are not getting. For example, it would be easier for me to dissect the, the behaviors externally that I was seeing from someone else and blame them and not understand them and want to push them back than to say, I wonder what was going on with them that day. I wonder what happened. What, what is it like to be them? Where have they been in life? That must be real hard because that was a real strong response. So I don't think that they have a great situation going on right now. Now I'm getting a different perspective, right? I'm thinking about it very different. Like I'm using this part of my brain. Did y'all feel the difference? You feel the switch, right? And over time, it's not fixing anything. It's not changing anything, but it's changing the energy inside of you dramatically. Whenever you move from, I'm just going to be mad and blame and push to I'm going to try to understand. I'm going to try to understand. Or I'm going to try to understand myself. What happened to me that day? Not shaming myself with what I see, but going, how am I doing? Does anybody ask that question? Did you ask your question on before drop-off, before breakfast, before getting out the door with other children said things, before doing laundry and finding the shoe that was upstairs and the, all the other shoe that was downstairs, did you ask yourself, how am I doing this morning yet? Momhood does not tend to give the time to ask that question, but it's a vital question to ask, how am I doing? So how are you doing? That's hard. That's hard. That will help you, again, give life back to yourself. And so today, I'm not going to say that this is going to be easy, but I'm going to try to walk you through if you're okay with that. As comfortable as you want to be with me, I would love for you to let me in as close as you want, but also be respectful of where you're at. I don't want to disrespect that space. But when I'm thinking about, okay, how do we how do we work through that? That was a lot of common challenge. That's a common challenge that I've seen all people in different phases of life, different relationships, different things struggle with. And so what I wanted to give you was some tactical tools to help you process, to help you process, um, because processing is the number one thing that's getting in the way of you actually getting to forgiveness. It's the number one thing missing. Are there a lot of tools that I could give you? Absolutely. Are some of these tools going to be variously challenging? Absolutely. Based off of where you're at in a certain relationship or where you're currently at, some of these tools may seem almost impossible to utilize, and that is okay. And some of these tools may be like, oh, that was so helpful. Yes. And that's great too. 
But don't, don't judge yourself along the way of how hard it is or how easy it is. It's just communicating to you how deep this is for you. That's all. It's just communicating how deep of a challenge this is for you and how to help you resource yourself well, maybe doing other things outside of this lesson today, right? Because usually things take time. Okay, so the first tool I'm going to give you is acknowledge. I know that sounds crazy. But to grieve well is actually the point of the first thing. When we don't acknowledge what is realistically happening, we send our brains into a little bit of a tizzy and we disconnect the right brain from the left brain and we cause a communication jam within our own body. It's not communicating reality. It's trying to transpose a new reality on top of what was really happening, which is not the truth. So basically, your body is in dissonance, your mind is in dissonance, and it's in a struggle place because it is difficult to look introspectively and say, dang, that hurt. That, that did hurt. That doesn't feel good to do, but it's a most important and vital thing. And so acknowledging pain. This quote right here, if y'all haven't read um, Vanderklok with uh, The Body Keeps the Score, so good, very, very, very hard read, very deep read, but so go look at the quotes. <laughs> look at the, like, cliff notes cl quotes of it. But this is one of his things. As long as you keep secrets and suppress information, you are fundamentally at war with yourself. The critical issue is allowing yourself to know what you know. That takes an enormous amount of courage. Right? To be in the face of pain and to sit with it takes courage to do that. And the cool news is Jesus did it. Jesus did it. When he was walking to Jerusalem, he was weeping and crying and talking to the Father about how sad he was at the displacement of Jerusalem and where they were. Before he died on the cross, he begged for it not to be what it was going to be. And he said, okay, whatever your will is. But he came directly relationally to the Father and grieved about it. And he found comfort from the Father whenever he did that. He acknowledged pain. So if we think that forgiveness means to, like, to forget and to move on, biblically speaking, that's just not who Jesus was. That's not what he did. He activated himself through pain. He integrated himself through pain. And he relationally connected himself with pain, which is just one of the hardest ways for me to learn to connect with people. Because my spidey senses, my fight-flight senses, make me say, run away. It's the opposite of what your body is telling you to do. And Jesus was so cool at doing like counterintuitive things defying the gravity pull to do fight-flight and coming towards people and integrating and experiencing it. Also, there's a passage, if anybody's met David, David is awesome at this. This isn't in your, I just added this ad lib, so you can put this as uh, Psalms 23. But listen to the pain he's talking about and listen to how David integrates the pain with his relationship with God. He doesn't ignore it. He doesn't deny it. But he also remembers the truth of who God is in his pain. So he's activating his left brain. 
He's activating his right brain, and he's engaging in the material, okay, or in the conversation. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? That's pain. That's deep, deep pain. And then he goes on to say in verse 3, but I know you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one of Israel's praises. In your ancestors put your, in you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted you. To, he's saying, I know who you are. I know who you are. I know who you are. Though this hurts right now, I know who you are. I know who you are. I know who you are. But I'm not hiding it from you that I wish you would intervene right? I thought that was a beautiful passage of what this is talking about from Vanderklok. He is not um, being distant from his own pain. He's entering into that pain. So that would be the first step is to acknowledge that pain. And so if you have a bit of courage in you, what I'd love for you to do just by yourself, I'm going to give you a few seconds, is to think of someone that is str you're struggling to forgive because that's probably something we all have someone or was a struggle to forgive. And I want you to write somehow their name or give yourself a symbol if you don't want anybody to see this paper later because they live in your house. Give it a star, and we know who that is. But write down who that person is and acknowledge that pain for just a second. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to do it. Not a long time, just 30 seconds. Write it down and acknowledge the pain of that. Okay, that's all I'm going to make you do. As you do this by yourself or even with someone else, you can expand your time frames. But because you're doing this with me, I decided not to torture you too hard. So 30 seconds was enough. Um, also, I was corrected. This is Psalm 22, in case that was helpful. Okay, next tool. Now that we acknowledge our pain, the first step is we got to look at it. it. It may be in sequential order to me, but I'm not going to say that this is sequential order for every situation. This is how I kind of process things. Um, and so the first step is to acknowledge. The second step, because of our fight-flight response, this part of your brain is activated every 30 seconds. It's scanning every, no, sorry. Uh, every second, it's scanning 30 times a second to see if you're safe, to see if you're okay. So we tend to say that our brain has a negativity bias because it does. It's inclined to protect you. It's not inclined to just go, oh, life is beautiful, and there is sunshine outside, and I love the flowers. It's not designed to do that. It's designed to go, are there tigers in there? Because if there are, we shouldn't go outside. That would be a bad idea. It's designed to keep you alive. 
So you want it to do that. But that makes it difficult because our brain tends to be negative. So the best tool that I've come up with, because we tend to infer why someone does something because it's the way that we would do it. That's the only toolbox we have. My understanding of why you behave a certain way is because that might be why I behave a certain way. But guess what? People behave very differently for very different reasons that you do not know. And you don't have to know. God is the only one that is all-knowing about this. So a step to get perspective would be use a tool of curiosity. I'm going to start asking questions versus just making assumptions. I'm going to start acting, asking questions versus making assumptions. And what that does for me is it unlocks me from my moment of stuckness in my own unforgiveness, and it starts to open my mind to compassion. Like, why would someone behave that way? Even if I don't agree, I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm not saying it was okay. I'm just trying to understand from someone else's point of view what would be going on so badly in their life that that would be the response that I'm getting right now, or what might be going on with them? Maybe not so badly, just what might be going on with them. There is a function to all behavior. There is. There is a function to that. And so we're going to compassionately put some perspective on that. Types of We talked about curiosity last time too, but questions for this particular type of, of exercise would be wondering within yourself, how is this impacting me? How is that situation impacting me? Emotionally, spiritually, relationally, I'm using acknowledgement still. I'm just trying to find more details about it. I'm investigating. And then for other people, what might be going on in their lives? There is a particular person in my life that this, um, these tools, oh, I forgot to mention something super important on grieving well, which is great timing right now. Um, there was someone in my life that was very difficult to do this with um, for me for a long time. And so I call that turnaround time. My turnaround time from going from for unforgiveness to forgiveness is variant based off the difficulty it is for me to process it because I don't understand it sometimes or I don't understand how it's impacting me sometimes. It, it's not all caught up to speed quite yet. And that's variant for everybody and every person. But this curiosity tool I found to be one of the most helpful things for me to not feel overprotective of myself and also where I could start seeing them through the lens of God's view versus just my own projective, perceptive view. And so I'm going to have you do that now. Thinking of that person and that situation, just give yourself 30 seconds per category and I'll help move you along. How did that impact you? No blame, no shame. How did that impact you? And I'll do the other in, a, in 30 seconds. Okay, and now just switch your focus a little bit. 
What do you think is going on in their life? What curiosities do you have or questions would you be like, man, I'm just so curious right now. Keep in mind, you may never ask these questions to someone. These are just internal questions to start processing. Okay, how are y'all doing? Y'all hanging with me? Yeah, okay. This is hard work day. We're like doing our workouts. Pilates, 30-minute exercises. I, did the 30-minute Pilates, just 30 seconds, like go for so long for y'all? Sometimes I'm like, wow. My tolerance for discomfort is really low. And so sometimes you might feel that way with these 30 seconds, that good Lord, let the time pass, lens, good. So I'm okay with that's you. That's been me too. Um, but way to hang in there. Okay, this next one is take appropriate responsibility. Take appropriate responsibility. Okay, y'all, we could talk about this one for like five hours. So I'm really dialing in myself to explain it to you in a helpful way. So I'm sorry if it's messy coming out. Um, because I do like a whole hour and a half class on this picture right here. Okay, so if you think about this is you, you're a circle, and the person we're in relationship with that's not going well is the square. This is the other person. Help me understand, what can you control? What's in the, what, like what, what things in the circle? Your emotions, your thoughts, your actions, yeah. Though I would say your thoughts really come at you like a wild wildebeest sometimes, and so do your emotions, God's word says we can make those thoughts captive. So there are tools that I can use to observe and understand, though I'm not saying you're responsible for what's coming at you every day, because that's just a whole messy story there. But I am responsible. I asked a teenager one time, she goes, man, I just don't think I can control my emotions. I was like, well, honey, if you can't, who can? And she goes, oh, my gosh. Like... <laughs> And I was like, yes, that is a terrifying thing to put into someone else's hands. You don't want to do that. And so that's what they can control. What can the, what can the other person control? Themselves. All their actions, their thoughts. I can not. I do not have the jurisdiction of the Holy Spirit like that. That's God's job. That's God's timing which is not usually my immediacy timing that I like. It's a different timing with a bigger purpose in mind. But keep in mind, that's their journey. And we're going to park them over here because I don't know is the answer to that. I don't know what they're going to discover. I hope to the Lord that they discover things. But what we can park up here today is you. And what's your responsibility? And let go of what is not yours to own in a situation is a really important part. But to actively own what is is also very difficult to do. Has anybody had the children say, uh, well, she made me do it. What? 
I never speak these words out loud at my home, but my kids are saying these things. Like I, I'm like, wow, that is so convenient that you can blame your behaviors on someone else. But that's what we do all the time. And it takes a difficult self-reflection in the mirror to say, yeah, no matter what, I shouldn't have yelled. No matter what, at the end of the day, that was on me. They, have, they may have contributed to a lot of emotional feelings. They have, may have contributed to pain. But at the end of the day, I am responsible for me. And that's going to be hard to own. That was my hardest part to own in my story myself. Um, and when someone is... Okay, so, well, no, no, okay. So when we are struggling with responsibility, we tend to overdo it. <laughs> And we pendulum swing from being at a prideful stance, like, I did nothing wrong, this is all your fault, to a shame stance of, I am terrible, I am not good enough. Some sort of storyline along those intensities is on the shame side. What is also not helpful is when this person is trying to make you feel all responsible by what they're saying. So I might have clarity in my mind, and like, I am like an ironclad, like I got this. And then I get in the relational conversation and I'm targeted at, I'm blamed at, or I'm attacked, and all of a sudden I cannot tell you my right hand from my left hand, what is me, what's them, I am stuck, and I feel shame all over again. Or I feel pride, like, <laughs> you want to go, bro? Let's do this. Let's do this. Put me in, you know? So, you know, either of those responses might come out of me at any point in time. But that's why we go from over-connected to under-connected. We're or pendulum swinging on those things. And so I'm just going to show it to you in a different way. Pride and shame have a very, very same coin two different sides type of experience. You pendulum swing from one to the other quite often, and the center point of that is humility. The center point of pride and shame is humility, knowing who you are and actually having compassion for who other people are over there, okay? And so taking appropriate responsibility would go something like this. What is for me to own in this situation What can I learn? How can I grow? No matter the situation, these are questions that you can actually ask yourself as you're ready to process and to uncover. For other people, it's what's theirs? What's theirs to own? What's theirs to grow in? Okay? This one will take a hot minute, so I'm not even going to pretend that 30 seconds is going to be enough for that because that would just not be helpful. So I'm going to move us along to the next one. Is that okay? Cognitively, you're going to have to think about that one for a minute. The last one is make meaning. What God does so beautifully with pain is it's purposeful. He makes everything beautiful in its time. It's from Ecclesiastes, right? We have every good and perfect gift is from him. And we also know he works out everything for the good in Romans 8, 28. So God, we know God's up to something. We just have to figure out 
Help me understand, Lord. Help me understand. Help me understand. And when we dial in that meaning, when pain has meaning, it actually has a lot of momentum and power to it. And it rises us up from shame or pride, and it rises us out of unforgiveness because it makes sense or it has some sort of purpose. And so um, have y'all heard of Emmons before with gratitude? We did a whole sermon series a long time ago on gratitude. So, so fun, so good. But Gratitude Works is from his book. And it's from every experience to grieving, to trauma, to he doesn't just make it look like, hey, here's a happy journal for you to do for 30 days. It's a real-time understanding that gratitude does work, but it's hard work to do. And so much so that this quote was so helpful. Certainly much harm can be done by telling people to simply buck up count their blessings, and remember how much they still have to be grateful for. Processing a life experience through a grateful lens does not mean denying negativity. It does not, it is not a form of superficial happyology. It does mean realizing the power you have to transform a loss into a potential gain, recasting negativity into positive channels for gratitude. So good. How do we do it? And so I have an exercise for you. And we'll take more than 30 seconds this time so you won't be so rushed. Making meaning first starts with imagining that God and you are at center stage of your own story. When unforgiveness is creeping in and shame is creeping in, somehow we're crowding the stage and not seeing the full picture. We're letting someone else take center stage and own it. And my daughter, who's six, I love her so much. She's like the best diva ever. And she'd be like, girl, give me that spotlight. You know what I mean? Give it back. Give it back. Give it back. Not that I'm the spotlight, but when it comes to putting other people there, it does change people's perspectives. Jesus is the spotlight, and I'm standing right next to him in my own story. But in unforgiveness, I'm giving jurisdiction for someone else to stand there and stay there. And in shame, I'm giving the same jurisdiction. So making meaning starts with the right picture. This is who I am, and this is who they are. God is center stage with them in their own story, and that's their own story that God's working out over there. And now I'm going to just define with gratitude what, though I don't like it, what has this situation brought to me? And my really difficult one, this one took me a hot minute to do. And so pick one that's not so palpable to try it out with first. And then you can keep diving into more delicate and difficult ones. But you can do this exercise with all various types of difficulty. But for now, just choose one that's not so intense for you. A situation of your past, a circumstance that happened that you can retrospectively look back and see what God brought to you, how you personally grew, or what kinds of things um, that were of significance in a beautiful way to you because of that situation. Does that help you? Are you ready to go? Okay.
And I'm just gonna give you one more minute. Job well done. Whatever you got done today, way to work it out, you know, like a Pilates class. Way to go. I'm sure, I'm hopeful that these were helpful tools for you to kind of just start the journey of that, that it gave you a different perspective to consider what might be going on for you that you might still have to resolve. But it also may have unearthed some things that you didn't expect. And so I want you to know that um, y'all's community is awesome. Talking to each other about this would be awesome. And I have some questions that y'all can um, choose to work through together. Your mentor would be a great person to talk to. Um, or also me, if you wanna talk to me about that. You're welcome to, my information's at the bottom. Um, I took the time today, instead of doing a Q&A, I had y'all practice. Um, but you're welcome to ask me any questions. I think y'all need to get going to your groups, right? That's where y'all need to get going. Um, so why don't I just, what? You wanna ask some questions? I muted everyone, okay. All right, we'll just take a couple questions and then um, we'll get to our groups. Thank you so much. This was so helpful, um, especially thinking of like moving into the holidays and all of those relationships that you see. Do you have like a quick go-to trick or visual when you get to that place of assuming the negative and the past experiences with these people start creeping up and the feelings and emotions flood? How do you go from, okay, you're self-aware of them to I'm not going to let that take power over the time with them to... Yes. You know, keep those emotions flooding. Like, try to separate, okay, I don't like it. I know these past experiences are bringing in these emotions, but I don't want that to overpower, you know, trying to move forward with them and be in a safe, loving environment with the holidays and all of that. Right. Mentally being able to cut that off. Right. I feel like there's a whole group of us that are asking this question, rolling into the holidays, and my mother-in-law included, she's asking that question about her own family mm -hmm. um, and other people. And I don't have an answer for you on how to navigate that within yourself um, because I think each situation is quite different. Oh, I need to go this way. If you are in a situation where the constantly someone not taking responsibility or doing behaviors that are just not okay, my encouragement wouldn't be like, hey, just keep, like, keep going, keep going, and have no response. So I, I think that would be a great question to process. How do we be in connection with these people but also not push the relationship past what it's capable of doing? Like the, the, the relationship isn't capable of having this type of con of relationship at the moment. Um, maybe we can have common ground conversations that we can get through the holidays on 
And it, I, I would just be afraid to answer that question not knowing what types of challenges you're up against on each different person. Because um, that's going to be, I think, an intuitive part of the Holy Spirit to speak into and say, with this particular situation, with what I know, with what we've experienced, how do you go about doing that? On a basic level, the question that I ask myself when I have people's opinions of me or thoughts of me sticking on me more than God's thoughts of me is to say, why am I taking that so personally? So what if this person is really choosing to believe that I am this person, which really does not feel good, but does that change who I actually am? No, it doesn't change who I am. What do I want to do towards this person? Who do I want to be in relationship with this person? Who am I capable of being in relationship to this person right now? Would be questions that I would start asking myself at that point. Does that help? I feel super unhelpful with that one. Sorry, that was a real good one. I was kind of wanting to avoid the Q&A on this one. <laughs> we have another one. Is that, is that wrong? Well, this is to comment on what you were saying. I think the reason we get these emotional responses is we feel misunderstood. Absolutely. That's really what's underneath a lot of it. So maybe I was going to ask the same thing as you, like how do we overcome our emotions? Maybe the first step is recognizing I feel misunderstood when I'm around this person. I can't do anything on my end to help them understand me without causing a big argument. So how do I want to react when right. I know they're going to say these things that just aren't true? Right. How do I want to react ahead of time and come up right. with a game plan? Right. Kind of well, say thank you or whatever. <laughs> right. One truth is relational challenges will not be overcome just within yourself. It takes two to overcome a relational challenge. So we can do all the introspective work that we need to do. But at the end of the day, too, this person needs communication with. And avoiding conflict is what we do oftentimes because we don't want to get uncomfortable with people. But conflict isn't bad. And sometimes articulating, hey, I sure love you, but sometimes I really feel misunderstood. And them saying, what, really? And I'm like, yeah, well, maybe now I'm thinking that's not your intent <laughs> with the way you responded there. Uh, yeah, so then I'm having a dialogue because I did this with one of my uh, coworkers the other day. I was really convinced of these not-so-helpful negative thoughts. I was really convinced that they thought these of me. And I was like, you know what, Lens? You can't solve a relational problem with this. I was talking to myself about You can't do that. And I was like, oh, darn it. <clears throat> okay, hey. Okay, so I just have a few questions for you, and I would love your opinions and thoughts um, to correct what I'm thinking, because this is just my perception, and it's what I fear the most. Are you thinking these things? And he's like, not at all. And I was like, okay, I got, I got, I got like three more. Okay, hold on. And, later, and he thought it was so much fun. He's like, I just feel like I got a shotgun to the devil behind your back. I'm like, yeah, no, that's not true. And I was like, oh, this feels so but had I not had the courage to interact with the conversation, I would still be revving on this going, oh, I just need to forgive him. Well, for what? He hasn't done anything. I'm assuming he's done something, but he hasn't even done anything. It's my perceptive thinking. So that's partly why I think these relational conversations can be so tricky and sticky to resolve because some people have, in matter of fact, done what I just did and got faced with something very different. And that's super, we start with grieving. That 
mm, that is so unfortunate that that's how that went. But now, now what do I do? Now what do I do? But basics of what we want to do are acknowledge within ourselves, address within the relationship, work it out, work it together, and then keep, keep kind of unraveling from there. follow up, <laughs> what if then instead of saying, oh, you know, did you, I, I feel like you're thinking these things, right? And they can say, no, no, like that's, but what if they're like, yes? Well, at least I know the truth. I, and I'm not perceptively thinking anymore. And now I get, to, I can't set boundaries on other people. Whoever thought that boundaries on other people was a possibility, that was just a real pipe dream. But now I can have my response to that. I can counter that and say, okay, now I don't know what we're supposed to do here. You know, if you really think this of me, I'm not sure how close we can really be. I'm, what are you hoping for? Because um, it sounds like you may not actually like me. <laughs> I don't know. You know, you'd, you'd have to just continue to dialogue it out, to have the courage to have the resolve to stay in there and not just to run away, but that takes humility and not going to shame and not believing it and not acting into it and also not attacking them for thinking what they think and being honest when you ask them to be honest. Well, that's not helpful. Why am I gonna get mad at you when I asked you? Now I have to receive that and maneuver through it. I mean, none of this is easy, y'all. Your Q&A is really good, it's really good. I feel like there's lots one of Q and A. Oh, and then I'll get to Devin, and then we'll we'll hang it up. Okay, this is so good. <laughs> Thank you for sharing this. Um, yeah. So, like, when you get to that point, I think it's a matter of like asking clearly, like, what kind of relationship do we want together? Like, and then connection versus disconnection. Mm -hmm. Is this accurate or? I mean, so if we're talking about a marriage, for example, my equity and my resources to make this figured out is real high. Mm -hmm. If this is my kids, my resource, I'm going to get resources to make this go. Um, if it's my coworker and I'm just like, really? We can get along. Like, I can get along with this person and I can figure this out. I don't have to be like intentionally like open and then know me this way. I just do need to partner with them. So this is what, I think you need to think about it that way. Um, I think we're quick to give up far too soon. I think we're also quick to overdo responsibility mm -hmm. and it tanks us out. And then we have no energy to keep going because you've already pushed your resources at the front. Mm -hmm. So I think it does take time. It does take time. And there is no simple answer. I really wish I had a magic wand and that there, it was simple. The steps are still the same. You still keep processing the same way, but it's not easy to do it, That's to helpful. keep working it out. Okay. Guys, you're great questions. I know. Let's put Barbara up here. I don't want to get off of the subject of, um, I think I'm speaking more on behalf of like the conversations that you would have with somebody on um, perhaps, and here, let me just put the example out there. If I'm speaking to my husband and he says, well, I'm doing this because you 
sure. you and the blame gets it continues to be put on me like um I'm saying this because you do this or mm -hmm. I'm doing this because you're doing this then how do you how do you combat that how do you like what is the response I need to make um do I ask the questions or you know to kind of get him out of that mindset. I right. mean, I know I can't change him and his emotions, but I'm not gonna take on all that responsibility because he is in control of himself, not me. And I've told him that. Right, <laughs> right. If but. only they would listen yes. to us. <laughs> um, so here, here's my encouragement. Um, own what you can. Own what you can. It, it is such a peace offering when I say, man, Thank you for helping me see that my, I'm actually impact, I was talking about how you are impacting me, but clearly I'm impacting you too. And that's, that's not what we want right now, but I'm really sorry for the way that I'm contributing to this. Um, and I think there's some things on your side that you're doing that are difficult for me. How are we going to go forward together? What are you, what are you thinking would be helpful? Um, so we don't need to play the blame game and be like, you get your stuff over there. And you work on it, and I get my stuff over here, and I work on it. And it's a lot smaller than your stuff. <laughs> Mine's just really small. Um, but, you know, this is, but this one is such a good one because I can come to the table and with humility recognize I am imperfect, and I do have blind spots that I only need. When we're in a conflict with someone and that's our go-to response, it's not a super helpful one. But when I can engage out of here and into this, they feel the difference too. And they feel me trying to connect and to come close and to observe and to be with versus me combat and be right and fight and fix it and control the situation. So this one really does, I think, take a softening of me to take that first step first, uh, maybe, and maybe they're willing, maybe they think the same thing, like, if I have to take the first step, and I'm just unaware. I'm just unaware. You guys rule. You guys are awesome. That is all we have, and Jesus has all the other answers. I don't have any. Thanks for letting me come, y'all. If you're hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode. And for that, we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if so, please feel free to share it with others who might be interested. You can also give us feedback in the comment section, and we would love to hear from you. If you have any questions about anything you heard today, or would like to suggest topics for us to cover in the future, message us on Instagram and Facebook at MomQ512. We'll see you back here in just a couple of weeks.